a number of years ago, I read about a man. I cannot remember all of the details. I spent some of the morning this morning looking for the article, and I could not find it. But from my memory and what I remember about this, uh, this man observed a ministry need, and he saw that there was a need of ministry in a certain area, and he didn't tell anybody. He just saw that it was a need and thought it would be a neat ministry to do. And he began praying about it. And as he prayed about it, the burden for it kind of become greater and greater. And he didn't mention it to anybody, but he just continued to pray about it and prayed for God to work. And he knew that himself financially, there was no way that he could do this ministry, but he just continued to pray and, and seek God's guidance and direction and, and seek for maybe an opening for he uh, for him to be able to do this. And, and after a few years took place, honestly, he tried to get it out of his mind, but after a few years, the, the pool just got greater and greater for him, and it got to the point where he just couldn't do anything but think about that one thing. And all of a sudden, some doors began to open, and he had opportunities to begin to minister. And what started out as a burden for a man uh, ended up as a homeless ministry. And he was able to put together a homeless shelter and bring in homeless people and care and minister to homeless to the homeless and, and share Christ with them. And many people came to know Christ as a result of this one man and his desire to be used in this area. And it was because he saw a need and he saw an opportunity. And as the opportunity presented itself, he took advantage of that opportunity. This morning we continue our journey through Nehemiah, and we left Nehemiah last week after observing his time of prayer. And so this morning as we dive back in and we pick up our journey, we come to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, and we want to look at these first eight verses here. And as we look at this passage in Nehemiah, we see that Nehemiah's time of prayer has opened a door of opportunity for Nehemiah. So open your Bibles with me to Nehemiah chapter 2, and we want to look at verse 1 this morning. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, and I'll read these first eight verses out loud, and you can follow along with me in your copy of the Scriptures. I happen to be using the English Standard Version as I read this to you. It says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates? Have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me 
uh, given me to the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I had asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Now, as we look at this passage this morning, there are three headings that we're going to use to kind of lead us and direct us through this. The first thing we see is this moment of chaos in verses 1 and 2. And then we see the moment of change in verses 3 and 4. And we see a moment of clarity in verses 5 through 8. Before we dive into this, so let's just pause for a moment and pray. Great God in heaven, we're thankful for this day that you've given to us. Grateful for this moment that we're in right now. And I pray, Lord, as we open your word this morning, that your word may be open to us. I pray we would glean from your word what you'd have us to glean. I pray, Lord, that we would hear from you this morning, not the, not the ramblings of some man. But I pray, Lord, when we leave this morning, we'll be able to say that we've heard from you. And so take my mind and my mouth and my lips and my tongue, and, and Lord, just allow me to share what you'd have us to hear. I, I pray I'd share nothing more, but I certainly pray I'd share nothing less either. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, as we look at this passage here, the first thing we see is this moment of chaos. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. So as we look at this, and as we see this date stamped here in the month of Nisan, about four months have passed since chapter 1. In that brief section between chapter 1 and chapter 2, that gap that you see there, that's a four-month time period. Now, we saw last time when we were together, or a couple of times ago, uh, that, that Nehemiah received word about the condition of Jerusalem. It was in verse 4 that we read this. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah heard the disarray of Jerusalem, and it broke his heart. And as a result of that, it caused him to go before the Lord and pray. And he immediately went to the Lord in prayer. Look at verse 11. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. Now after Nehemiah prayed that prayer, he waited four months. Four months passed after praying that prayer. So Nehemiah prayed, and then Nehemiah waited. This is Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I can't help but think about that as Nehemiah is waiting for that four-month period. Oftentimes when we pray, we're tempted to pray, and we want uh, answers to our prayer in a microwave cycle. And if, if it's more than a minute 25 on the microwave, are we truly excited about using the microwave? I'm not. If it says two minutes, I find something else to eat. Okay, or I'll, I'll eat it frozen. I, it doesn't, I, I don't have two minutes to spare. It's got to be a minute 25 or less. Uh, and those Schwann's frozen pizzas, 
if you open one end of it and let it create a, gr a, a greenhouse effect, put that in the microwave, mi microwave it for one minute, 25 seconds, and that cheese in the middle will melt, and it's edible. Uh, that's all you gotta do. And if it's more than a minute 25, ain't nobody got time for that. Isn't that the same way we approach prayer? Lord, I want patience and I want it right now. Uh, Lord, I'm lifting this to you and I'm going to pray. As soon as I say amen, everything better be back to normal. I better be healed. This situation better be settled. And I want answers right here. Just write it on the wall. That's how I want it. That's kind of our mindset for prayer. Nehemiah prayed this prayer. And we read last time that Nehemiah prayed night and day. Night and day he prayed. For four months he prayed. And he prayed, God, give me an opportunity. Give me a platform. Let me talk to the king. That was his prayer. He's praying that, that mountains will be moved. He's praying that water will be turned. He's, he's praying that rivers will flow. Because all of that's going to happen before the king's heart is changed. But that is Nehemiah's prayer. And Nehemiah waited for his opportunity, praying that God would grant him mercy before this man, King Artaxerxes. The Living Bible says this, one day in April, four months later. I love the way it says that, one day. Just like, it was just like any other day. Have you ever had those days where you just wake up and it's just like any other day? Sun comes up, uh, we're in Michigan, so it's cloud-covered. That's uh, just kind of the way it happens, right? Just another day. And that's exactly where Nehemiah is. That one April day dawn, just like every other day. We read this in verse 1. It says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and I gave it to the king. Now, we saw last time that Nehemiah was a cupbearer, and a cupbearer's job was to bring the wine to the king. And he had to sample it to make sure that the wine had not been poisoned. And so, on this instance, we see Nehemiah on this April day, he's bringing the wine to the king, just like he does all of the time. And he's been praying, he's been looking for an opportunity. He doesn't know when that opportunity is going to come, but he's been praying night and day waiting for his opportunity, on the lookout for his opportunity. But he's been carrying on life, just like life happens to us, day by day, morning by morning, night by night, he's been carrying on. And that's where we see him on this April morning, still waiting for this opportunity. Now, Nehemiah shares this. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. Nehemiah points this out. This matter that was on Nehemiah's heart was between Nehemiah and God. And he was constantly coming before God, and he was praying. And he had been careful before the king, not showing, not, not uh, so the king could not detect his sadness that was before him. Uh, there was a practice that took place uh, within the Persian Empire. Those who came into the king's presence always had to be happy. They always had to be upbeat. They couldn't come into his presence being sad. And so Nehemiah has worked really hard for these four months of having that tough exterior, even though the inside is broken, even though he's uh, in difficult time. And his burden for the situation in Jerusalem was weighing on him, was immensely 
weighing on him, and he sought not to show it. So he didn't stand in the king's presence and go, <sighs> isn't that how we get attention? That's what we do, right? Nehemiah wasn't doing that. Nehemiah wasn't seeking to draw attention to himself. He was seeking to serve the king to the best of his ability. He was waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord to move. Now notice verse 2. It says, And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. On this day, the king sees Nehemiah, and he knows there's something amiss. He knows there's something going on. He notices Nehemiah's demeanor. And whatever it was on this day, Nehemiah wasn't able to heal it, to, to hide it. Uh, due to Nehemiah's responsibilities, this would not have been a good place to be. Because in this day and age, it was a day and age of assassination. And not only was he uh, going against the Persian palace etiquette, but this was a day of assassination. And if anything seemed amiss, then, then the king could suspect that Nehemiah was seeking to assassinate him. And so this is not a good place for, for Nehemiah to be in. And honestly, this may not end well for Nehemiah. And if we were watching this on TV, this would be a great place to go to a Tide commercial. <laughs> and we would run and we would get our drinks and we would come back and we would be anxiously awaiting to see what was going to happen to Nehemiah. Notice what verse 2 says as we continue. Then I was very much afraid. Nehemiah is honest about this. And I appreciate this about Nehemiah. Sometimes we hear about God's servants and we talk to God's servants and they always share with us about how brave they were and how faith, full of faith they were and they were just trusting God and they never shared about the sweaty palms or the anxiety that went into it while they waited for God to open doors. Here's where Nehemiah is. He's afraid. This is a moment of uncertainty. I can imagine that this was one of those moments of panic. Oh no, what's going to happen next? He's wondering, is this God opening this door for me to share? Or is this just me doing my thing? Uh, how is this going to unfold? What's going to happen next? You know, when we step out on faith, oftentimes there's that time of uncertainty. Oftentimes there's that those moments of sweaty palms and upset stomach and, and roll aids by the handfuls because we're trying to get a grasp on our anxiety, wondering if this is where we step, wondering if this is the open door that God has been leading us to. And Nehemiah says he was trying so hard and in this moment of uncertainty, he was afraid. He was afraid. And so we go from this moment of chaos here in, in this moment with Nehemiah to a, to a moment of change. Look at verse 3. I said to the king, let the king live forever. This would be a, a popular greeting that would be given to the king. Uh, he's showing honor to the king. He's also saying, hey, everything's okay with the wine. Don't worry. Everything's okay. Uh, personally, it's all okay. We're, we're on a good, a good leg here. He says this, Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed 
by fire. Nehemiah shares here why his heart is broken. He shares about his homeland. And notice that Nehemiah doesn't mention Jerusalem to him. He, he doesn't mention the name of the city. Jerusalem was one of those political sore spots for some of the administrations in the Persian Empire. In Ezra, I think it's Ezra 4, we read that, that Artaxerxes actually halted the temple work because of a fear of an uprising there. And so Jerusalem was one of those red ant piles that everybody was kind of afraid to go into of, of what might happen if you, if you stir up that hornet's nest. And so he's careful here as he, as he presents this. And it's also amazing as we think about this, Nehemiah sharing what's on his heart, but he's sharing this before the king, and it's actually partly the king's fault while, why Jerusalem is in such disarray. And so he's really stepping out on thin ice here. Notice what verse 4 says. Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? Now, this is kind of a surprise response as we think about this. This could have been his time to send Nehemiah away uh, to the dungeon. Hey, you know what? It's time for you to go to the stocks. That's, that's what you deserve for that. But he asks Nehemiah a question. And as we read this question, what are you requesting? We can't, we can't see his facial expression. Uh, it's kind of like a text message. We're not sure what attitude he's doing this. Is Artaxerxes in a defensive mode here as he shares this? What exactly are you saying? What exactly are you requesting? Is he is it that kind of attitude? Or is he more inquisitive? What, what are you requesting? This could be a good thing. This could be a bad thing. It's, it's kind of a loaded question here. What is it that you're requesting? Has God been working on Artaxerxes' heart? Has, has Artaxerxes uh, moved in the direction that Nehemiah needs him to move in? Or is Nehemiah or Artaxerxes against the wall? Is he about to come unglued and, and chop off Nehemiah's fingers? What, what's going to happen? Notice what it says in verse 4. So I prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah, in this instance, he prayed. And again, he prays to the God of heaven, just as we saw him pray before. Not some idol of the earth, not some false god or false idol of Persia, but he prays to the God of heaven. And this is a spontaneous prayer. This is a spontaneous prayer. And you know, as we look at this and as we think about this, obviously, this is not Nehemiah's entire prayer life. Uh, Nehemiah wasn't just a spontaneous, one-word kind of praying person. Nehemiah was a man of prayer who regularly was in prayer. He's been four months in prayer. And because he's a man of prayer, because he's a man who is reliant on God, when pressed, when pressured, his first instinct, his first action is prayer. That's what happens. You ever done that with a sponge? Soak up a sponge in water and just let it be full and the moment you touch the sponge water just shoots out? Nehemiah was such a man of prayer. He was just so saturated in prayer that the moment you poke him, prayer flies out. And this is just an instantaneous emergency prayer. Uh, even in this moment, he's reliant on God. 
And I would say, especially in this moment, he is reliant on God. We see the man that Nehemiah is because in this moment, he doesn't say, oh, shoot, and panic and run. In this moment, he pauses and he looks to God and he prays in this moment. And this is that moment of change. Now, as we think about this moment of change, notice this moment of clarity. Verse 5. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Nehemiah, in this moment of clarity, we see Nehemiah's mission. He prays for just this instant. I'm sure he didn't say, King, hang on just a second. I'm sure it was just an instant prayer, and then he addressed the king. He went before the throne room of heaven and then spoke to the king himself in that instant. Nehemiah still showed honor to the king as he prayed in this moment. Uh, he's not demanding anything of the king. He's showing honor and recognizing his position as king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. This is the request that he makes before the king. Lord, or king, send me to rebuild the city. You see the burden that God had placed on his heart for these four months. We don't see this before this moment. We know that Nehemiah is going to go and rebuild because we've read ahead. But in this moment, we don't know that. But right here, it's revealed that God has been working on his heart. Jerusalem is in ruins. And Nehemiah, you are the man of my choosing that you're going to go and rebuild. And he's been praying about this. God's been burdening his heart for this. God has shown Nehemiah it needed to be done. God has placed this burden on Nehemiah's heart. And God is calling him to this task to go and to, to rebuild in Jerusalem. Verse 6. And I'm sure as he said that, he's laid his cards out to Nehemiah, or he's laid his cards out to Artaxerxes, and now it's between God and Artaxerxes. And it says this in verse 6. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. Now we notice that the queen is there sitting with him. Persian history suggests that this was a unique thing. Remember the book of Esther? Esther wasn't always sitting beside the king, right? She had to get permission to go to the king. So this must have been some kind of uh, a secret private occasion that's taking place here. Uh, and there's no resistance from the king. The king says, how long will you be gone? I see what you're saying. You have permission to go. How long will you be gone? And Nehemiah has thought this through. Even though he's been praying for four months, he's been thinking this through. He didn't just pray and then just leave it all in God's hands. This was a burden that God had placed on his heart. 
and he is working out a plan in his own mind, in his own heart, how this is going to undo, all work out. And when this moment comes, when his opportunity comes, he's ready. I gave him a time. I gave him a time. And we see how, just how Nehemiah is prepared. Look at verse 7. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. This trek to Judah is going to be a trek with a large group of people. And they're going to cross several different provinces between where Persia is and between Judah. And, and even though Artaxerxes the king over all of that, there are governors over each one of those areas. And unless they're on Facebook, they're not going to know that he's coming. And so Nehemiah says, hey, you know what? There's no internet in some of those places. Send me with a letter. So when they come out and they ask us, why are you traveling here? Ta-da! By orders of the king, by permissions of the king, we come. This is why we're here. Nehemiah has thought about that. Nehemiah knows the, the difficulties that he's going to face. And he shares with them that I need these letters of support. They're going to explain to these other governors, so they don't have to take my word for it, they can see your letter. Nehemiah has thought this through. He's had some forethought. Uh, he's had some planning. Nehemiah's been praying for the open door. And when the open door comes, he's ready for it. He's ready for it when it opens. Notice what he says in verse 8. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. Asaph was the keeper of the king's forest. And, and many people believe that this forest was near Jerusalem and they had some oak trees there uh, and some... Uh, uh, yeah, poplar trees, and that's those are what they would use to build the beams and, and supports and everything else. And he says, I also need something to build a house with. So Nehemiah has thought all of this through. I'm going to need a place to live. I'm, I'm going to need a place to stay when we rebuild all this. And so Nehemiah has thought through all of this. We're going to need materials. Once I get there, I'm not just going to be able to go to Walmart. I'm going to have to find the material somewhere. And so basically he asked the king, give me a blank check so I can go to the building supply store and get whatever I need. That's what Nehemiah's request is. Nehemiah was ready for this moment. He was ready to walk through the door when the door opened. He'd been praying about it. He had been preparing it. And now was his opportunity. Notice what it says in the last part of verse 8. And the king granted me what I asked. For the good hand of my God was upon The king granted Nehemiah his request. Nehemiah doesn't say because he had a spectacular plan. He doesn't say because I'm the best cupbearer in all the land. He doesn't say any of that. He says because the good hand of God 
was upon me. Nehemiah has this opportunity to take glory to himself in his own private diary, and he doesn't. He gives glory to God. The good hand of God is upon me. And you know, this is exactly where Nehemiah desired to be. Is right in the hand of God. Right where God wanted him to be. That's where Nehemiah wanted to be. God placed this burden on his heart. And Nehemiah could have rejected this burden and said, you know, that's not me. Let some Send that email to somebody else. I ain't reading it. But Nehemiah began praying about it, waiting for God, waiting for God's timing, waiting for God to open that door. And when that door opened, he was prepared to walk through that door. He was prepared to walk through that door. And that's exactly what he did. So we see this moment of chaos. We see this moment of change. And then we see this moment of clarity. When Nehemiah recognizes this is the open door, and he was ready to go through that open door. So what do we take home from this? I mean, what do we apply to our Sunday afternoon? I think the first thing that we got to remind ourselves is that God is sovereign over all things. Our meditation verse this week is Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. God does that. God did that with our Xerxes. In this moment, his heart was changed. His heart was moved. Nehemiah waited for that opportunity. He waited for God to move his heart. Waited for God to open that door. And Nehemiah stepped through. Do you know that God works in the realm of impossibilities? That's where God does his best work. Sometimes we see things that are impossible. We become discouraged. We become overwhelmed. We pray for a minute, 25 seconds. And if God doesn't work, then it must not be. And we leave it alone. But you know what? God thrives in the moment of impossibilities. Waiting for the Lord is not a bad thing. Waiting for the Lord is not a bad thing. God may delay things, but God's delays are not God's denials. Oftentimes we see delays and we feel it's a denial. And there's no way we're praying for more than a minute, 25 seconds. We wouldn't wait that long for a Schwann's pizza. Why would we wait that long for God to answer prayer? But you know what? Sometimes God's delays are opportunities for God to be preparing us. It's an opportunity for God to work out details. Sometimes those details are worked out in our own hearts. Sometimes God works out those details in the hearts of others. There have been times where I've seen things and I've brushed in full steam and it's been a flaw. And there's been times where I've sat back and I've waited for God to show me that open door. When that door opened, just open door after open door after open door. And I tell myself, man, this is what happens when you wait on the Lord. And then the next time I forget. Minute 25, it should be ready. It should be ready. 
and I find that it's not. Nehemiah gives us a great example about what it is to wait on the Lord. Now I think we need to be cautious here too and remind ourselves that waiting for the Lord should not be an excuse for inactivity. Sometimes we, we pray and we look for something and we know that the door is open. But we're just like, God, if you could just open that a little bit more, if you could just make it a little bit wider, I'll put down a fleece. All right, that fleece was answered. I'll put down another one. Okay, that, all right, one more. Tenth time's the charm, God, if you really want me to do this. Instead of seeing that open door and just knowing that God would have us to walk through that. I read a story about a guy who was on a subway. A guy came in and sat down beside him. He's just an emotional wreck. He's just crying and sobbing. Grown man crying out loud. Guy is standing in the subway and he's holding one of those loops in the middle of the subway. Remember when you came into a diner on the subway? <laughs> you were holding that loop. He's holding that loop. And he's like, Lord, if you would have me share Jesus with this guy, give me a sign. The guy's just crying. He's just like, Man, my life is in shambles. Jesus, God, if you'd have me to share Jesus with him, just give me a sign. This guy's like, Man, I wish I knew Jesus. Lord, if you'd have me witness to this guy, give me a sign. Just anything, just show me. And the guy reached over and pulled his pant leg. Do you know Jesus? I desperately need to know Jesus. Lord, is this a sign? <laughs> Sometimes we do that, don't we? God, just show me. Okay, show me one more time. Show me one more time. That's where we are. Nehemiah was ready. So when that door opened... Nehemiah was ready to go through. Nehemiah was ready to go through. And that's where we need to be ready, not using waiting on the Lord as an excuse, making sure we wait on the Lord, but also being ready to walk through when the time comes. And I think the last thing when we look at this is that Nehemiah refused to take credit. You know, it was all about God. Nehemiah, as we think about him being a man of God, everything was about God. And even in this moment when he has this opportunity to <laughs> the hand of God was upon me. That's the only reason this worked out is the hand of God was upon me. When things work out for us, are we quick to give praise to God? Are we quick to give God thanks and give him the glory? Or do we stand back and say, I did that. I did that. Hopefully not. Hopefully our mind is on God. Hopefully we give him the credit.